Today, we are wrapping up our series on the thing you can't live without. For the past three weeks, Pastor Steve has been teaching us that the one thing that we can't live without is our relationship with one another. If God cannot be God without relationship, then we cannot be human without relationship. I love that image that he used, that relationships are the very stardust of which our spirits and bones are made. Steve shared many stories with us over the past few weeks about friendship and how they can complete us, bringing us joy and purpose in life. Well, today we're going to widen the circle just a bit to look at how friendships can literally transform and expand our lives. So let's turn to the scripture passage for today. It comes from Matthew 17, verses 1 through 8. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome with fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O Lord, to the words just read and the words to come, that we might be enlightened and changed to better reflect you and your love. Amen. So I have a question for you. How many friends do you have? Sorry, Mr. Billionaire Mark Zuckerberg, but Facebook doesn't count. And I also don't mean just those acquaintances, you know, the ones who are friendly and the ones that will say with a smile, hi, how are you doing? I mean real friends, the ones who really know you, not the Sunday best you, but the real you. Apparently, so many of us are lacking in meaningful relationships that loneliness is at epidemic levels in the United States. Nearly 50% of 20,000 adults surveyed in 2018 said that they sometimes or always felt alone or left out. The chief medical officer of Cigna said that he could have 1,000 or 10,000 friends on Facebook, but it's those meaningful in-person relationships that he has with other people that actually keep him from being lonely. When one of our daughters came home from Thanksgiving a few years ago, she told us about walking across campus with thousands of other students making their way to class. And she said that she never knew she could be surrounded by so many people, yet still feel so alone. It just breaks my heart. And I wonder 
if you've ever felt like that. Or if you could be sitting here today among hundreds of people and still feel all alone. If so, you've come to the right place because Jesus models for us a way to combat our own longing for connection as well as to show us how to truly be there for other people. With God, we can be transformed. We can be changed for good. Did you know that in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, God the Father talks directly to the earth only twice, at the baptism of Jesus and in the transfiguration of Jesus that we just heard. In both situations, God says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then God adds those three little words in the transfiguration. Listen to him. So, of course, we listen to what Jesus says. But a huge part of listening to someone is also to watch what they do, right? So beyond the miracles, the teaching and the preaching, here's what we see Jesus doing. Jesus has many, many acquaintances where he is kind and compassionate, where he takes the time to listen and just be with others. Jesus also calls a small group of 12 men together that he regularly spends time with. They do life together. Now, you may have noticed that the life together groups that we are wanting to form for October also have 8 to 12 people in them. Coincidence? I think not. We just started our new staff small groups at the beginning of September, and we named our group The Pearls, and here's why. As you probably know, natural pearls form when an irritant, usually a parasite, not the proverbial grain of sand, moves its way into an oyster or a clam. As a defense mechanism, then this fluid is used to coat that irritant, layer upon layer upon layer, until, voila, you have a lustrous, beautiful pearl. So I apologized up front to our small group that I may be an irritant from time to time, but that they would see that I'm ultimately helping them to grow into and to transform into something that's even more beautiful. You see, the irritant actually helps us all to practice extending the grace of God, the same grace that we hope to receive when we really are the irritant. This reminds me of the duet between Glinda, the good witch, and Elphaba, the bad witch, in the Broadway musical Wicked. Glinda sings, I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason, bringing something we must learn. And we are led to those who help us most to grow if we let them. And we help them in return. Well, I don't know if I believe that's true, but I know I'm who I am today because I knew you. And then they sing in this beautiful harmony. Who can say if I've been changed for the better, but because I knew you, I have been changed for good. Another good reason to have 8 to 12 people in a small group like Jesus is because we all need a tribe to be there for us when we're down and out. There are times in all of our lives when we are dealing with tough stuff and we need a whole team of love and support. 
When Jen Hatmaker was in Sarasota in January, she shared this wonderful story about elephants that exemplified this for us. In the wild, when a mama elephant is giving birth, the other female elephants in the herd back around her in formation. They close ranks so that the delivering mama can't even be seen in the middle. They stomp and they kick up dirt and soil to throw the attackers off of her scent, and they basically act like a pack of fierce bodyguards. They surround the mama and this incoming baby in protection, sending a clear signal to predators that if they want to attack their friend when she's vulnerable, they'll have to get through 40 tons of female aggressors first. When the baby elephant is delivered, the sister elephants do two things. They kick sand or dirt over the newborn to protect its fragile skin from the blazing sun. And then they all start trumpeting a female celebration of new life, of sisterhood, of something beautiful being born in a harsh, wild world, despite enemies and attackers and predators and odds. It's a beautiful sight. Now, a tribe can also look like a half a dozen women who meet once a month for two hours. If tables were formed in homes around the country based on this question, if God is real, then what? Six women, four questions, two hours. The host actually cooks a meal and sets a table. When I was invited to attend, I only really knew one of the women in this group. We've been gathering for over three years now, and the questions have guided us into sharing deeper parts of our lives. I asked my if friends if I could share this story, and they said that I could. So one time, one of us was really struggling. The other five did what was called for, each using her gifts. We got a key to our house. One of us brought a crock-pot meal. Someone else brought dessert. Several stayed and cleaned her house. Someone brought flowers. When she came home to this surprise, she was overwhelmed with gratitude and tears, feeling so loved and cared for. It helped her to face another day with renewed strength, knowing that she wasn't alone facing it. Now, one of us also made it clear that under no circumstances are we to ever break into her house to clean. She would be mortified. That, by the way, was not me. If you want to clean, here's my keys. Come often. Come soon. But this kind of love and support cannot happen without a space to truly connect. In her research, Brene Brown reports that we are neurobiologically wired for connection. It's why we're here. Yet the universal feeling of shame, which we all have, is fundamentally a fear of disconnection. We have this inner voice that says, I'm not good enough. If they knew that about me, they couldn't possibly accept or love me. Her research showed that those who have a strong sense of love and belonging have it simply because they believe they are worthy of love and belonging. So as Christians, we should know that our value and our worth comes from a loving God who created us, who claims us and calls us by name. And this should give us the courage to be vulnerable with one another, to tell our story with our whole heart, to risk sharing our imperfections. 
because there is something so powerful when we remove our mask and we realize that we can truly be accepted and loved for who we are. One of the places I experienced this deep connection of the soul was actually in Nicaragua. Each day during our lunch break at the work site, we would gather in a circle and two people would share their stories, a Nicaraguan and then a North American. Many years ago, I volunteered to share my story. There are parts that are dark and sad, and some of my choices, quite frankly, made me feel ashamed. Through a translator and tears, I allowed myself to be completely vulnerable. You see, when two or more are gathered, Christ promises to be there working in and through us. I was not only seen for the broken person that I am, but I was seen as a beloved child of God who was accepted, embraced, forgiven, and prayed for with a love that comes from people who trust and follow a loving God. Knowing that we are created for this kind of authentic connection where we can go even deeper, Jesus wrapped his arms around an even closer inner circle of men, Peter, James, and John. The Bible records Jesus inviting just the three of them only on three different occasions. The raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead, the transfiguration, and the night before Jesus' crucifixion when he went to pray. Having a close inner circle is beyond life-giving. And here's why. Because you can be fully known. Kelly Corrigan writes, you can't be really loved if you can't bear to be really known. In the transfiguration, Jesus is glowing with the glory of who he truly is on the inside. The divine glory of Jesus, the human being, is revealed in this way only to his closest friends. Once again, Jesus is modeling for the power in deep sharing with a few. And true to small group covenants, in verse 9, Jesus tells his disciples, tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. In other words, what happens in small group stays in small group. You never tell somebody else's story, only your own. You know, I love that we can read about the life of Jesus 2,000 years ago and how it is still on point for our lives today. Of course, now we have the scientific research to support and understand how Jesus was showing us this abundant life. In a Harvard study of adult development, they tracked 724 men over 75 years. Psychiatrist Robert Waldinger shared on a TED Talk some important lessons on how to build a fulfilling, long life. Basically, they learned that good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Psychologist Susan Pinkerton discovered something similar on the island of Sardinia but also that these islanders lived longer. The Italian island of Sardinia has more than six times as many centenarians as the Italian mainland and ten times as many as we have in North America. They don't live to be a hundred because of their sunny disposition or their low-fat, gluten-free diet. Once again, it was their emphasis on close personal relationships 
and face-to-face interactions. This is crazy, but we now spend more time online than any other activity, including sleeping. Something like 11 hours per day. Yet research shows that face-to-face contact releases this whole cascade of neurotransmitters. And like a vaccine, they protect us now in the present as well as into the future. So simply making eye contact with someone or shaking hands or giving a high five is enough to release oxytocin, which increases your level of trust and it lowers your cortisol levels, which lowers your stress. And dopamine is generated, which gives us a little high and it kills pain. So it's like this naturally produced morphine. So here's two thumbs up for our greeting time. But the study also leaned into the importance of this human conversation and contact throughout the entire day. From the neighbor who's walking the dog to the barista who makes your coffee or the cashier at Publix, it all counts. The power of such face-to-face contact is really why there is the lowest rate of dementia among people who are socially engaged. It's why women who have breast cancer are four times more likely to survive than those who are loners if they are socially engaged. It's why men who have had a stroke, who meet regularly to play cards or to have coffee or to play old-timer sports, are better protected by social contact than by medication. This face-to-face contact provides stunning benefits Yet almost a quarter of the population say they have no one to talk to. So if we know that the triune God created us for relationships, that social connections are good for us, and that good relationships protect our bodies and our brains, why don't we just do it? I suppose part of it is because relationships are not a quick fix. Knowing people takes time. Relationships are messy and complicated, and it takes courage to be vulnerable. Yet Jesus invites us into the practice of transfiguration to let go of our masks, our busyness, and our distractions so we can be truly present with each other, so we can show who we are on the inside, that we might see each other and listen to one another with patience and grace. Parker Palmer says the soul doesn't want to be advised or fixed or saved. It simply wants to be witnessed. I can imagine that for some of you, it might feel like you're too late if you're not in wonderful, deep relationships yet. But I love the wisdom in that old Chinese proverb that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Friends, sign up for a small group today. Who knows? It might be the beginning of your transformation. You might be changed for good.